Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Outside your window may not be great, but here on Post Show Recaps, what if everything is super? You are listening to the podcast dedicated to all things MCU, and starting this week and for the next several months, that's going to be focused on what if. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here to answer one of many questions I'm sure you all had upon hearing my voice on this podcast, besides what if. Filling in for Josh Wiggler, uh, the poor kid from Brooklyn just can't get out of that big hulking metal suit, so I've decided to fill in here. But of course, I am not alone. Much like Peggy has a partner, uh, I am joined by the constant in this equation here on Everything is Super, the great Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, how's it going? I'm skinny Kevin forever and always now in this universe. <laughs> that's, my, this universe. that's my alternate universe self. No, this universe and regular universe and universe A, I am not skinny Kevin. Are we doing I, universe A and universe one? We're using the Farnsworth Paradox. Yes, and yes, I'm so glad else. that you made that reference. It made, yes. <laughs> so my I mean, favorite episodes. But that's the thing though. Uh, you know, not to get too, too much down the, the Futurama what if rabbit hole, but it is actually a very similar construct in the opening that we we get because you and Josh did a great job of, I think, you know, addressing what we did and really didn't know about what if and that opening monologue done impeccably from Jeffrey Wright as a Watu. It seems to imply here at least that everything in what if is going to be sort of spurred on by this nexus event to use a piece of lexicon from Loki, right? That like one thing happens differently. And then you see what else happens. For the one of a nail, a war was lost, or won in this case. So uh, I would be intrigued to see how, in what instance, Kevin becomes skinny Kevin in <laughs> Universe A. What spurred that better, along? Better choices. <laughs> yeah. Think, and if you drum as well, right? It was the thing of like, oh, if every coin flip was yes. reversed, essentially, all this stuff happened. So how straightforward the Futurama was is that every, in this reality, whatever coin we flipped ended up the opposite end, you know, uh, of the coin, so to speak. And I love that that was the diversion. And I think that that's so great. Um, and in this, yeah, there's these nexus events as you're, as they're being called, as they started to be called here of points in the Marvel universe in which something important happened. And that's the divergent branch, right? And I think that's interesting and that's cool. That's what the original comic book series posited, but it also like simplifies certain things because the idea of the multiverse is always just like, well, if every choice matters, then there's just like infinite universes. And I'm like, well, technically, mm-hmm. yes. And this like, 
condenses it, right? It's only specific moments in time, specific nexus events that causes these branches. Uh, and the want of a nail is actually a great example, right? Like DC actually did this with uh, a highly recommended uh, Elseworld slash multiverse story called The Nail, where basically mm. the Kents never got to uh, the rocket for Superman because a nail in the road gave them a flat tire. And how did oh. that change the DC universe? And it's like incredible. It's really, really well done. Um, so like, we're not maybe going to have something as simple as that here. Feels like they're very, very specific nexus moments like with this one being what if peggy didn't go upstairs you know i mean i don't know listen there's gonna be one episode you mentioned it before i don't know what the decision point is in this universe that gets us to zombies uh, but i'm incredibly <laughs> intrigued to see like oh someone didn't leave the door closed on this experimental i don't know germ warfare that they were working on and now all of a sudden captain america's a zombie should be really interesting you're talking about coins. Before we get further into what if, I want to talk about our sponsor for this week. Something that can save you a bunch of coins that you can flip in the air however you want to. Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So easy. A super soldier can use it is my new tagline for it. Uh, everything old is new again, Kevin, because much like that tag, that often beloved <laughs> tagline from the early 2000s, we are back in the 40s to talk about relitigating events from Captain America, the first Avenger with the very first episode of Marvel's What If, What If dot dot dot. Uh, Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum. I might be paraphrasing there, uh, but very simplistic title structure. We got a, a lot to get into, I think, despite it being only half an hour. But Kevin, start by giving me your, your overall thoughts. This was our first dip into the official waters of a very new, very different series for the MCU in total, especially compared to what we've seen on Disney Plus. Otherwise, what's the consensus on it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, for me, super thumbs up. I, I, I really loved it. I, um, it delivered what I want from a, like, what if series. These, like, changing branches reality. Some are, would be wildly divergent. Some are not going to be super different. Sometimes the reality course corrects and you end up in a very similar situation where things end up almost identical, but after, like, this huge change, right? Like, some, them sometimes happen in the comics. And with this one, I just really liked it. I liked, the animation style was a little bit to get used to because I'm not used to that particular style of animation. But once I got used to it, I was into it. Um, I really liked how the story played out. And I can't even begin to express how much I love Captain Carter. Like, <laughs> my God, like, there's it's it's like that scene in Community when the dean is just like oh i hope this doesn't awaken something in me and i'm oh, like yes. it did to be fair i think that thing was awakened already but like the just reconfirmed like when she came out of there and she's just jacked and then when she's in the costume i'm just like yo i'm with skinny steve like i'm all about this like this is like it's and yeah, she's like, awesome. in line like i want yeah. to dance now She's so great, and like I love how the character was. I love the action. There's so much I really loved about how it played out. There's one main story complaint I have, uh, which we can we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure. But 
overall, I mean, for me, I really liked it. I think it's a great introduction to like what 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 if can be, where it's not too crazy, it's not too weird. It's it's Goldilocks, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had a lot of fun watching this. And the other thing about this as well, and I think I talked about this actually when I when I guessed it on the Loki finale, is that this series was not ever going to be as deep and thematic as the past three series that we have gotten. Like, this is popcorn fun. This is going to a candy store and just, like, filling up with a bunch of different things, getting home, shoving a bunch of your mouth, and experiencing all of these weird flavor profiles at the same time. And that being said, my sweet tooth has been satiated. I think it was... Maybe if the story did not necessarily bear creative fruit, I think there is a lot of potential in so many ways, which I definitely want to get into from both a short-term and a long-term perspective from that. We'll talk about the animation as well. That certainly was unique. But I I think it's a strong start, and I can understand why they started the way that they did. Because I know that we have certainly, at least in our post-show recaps Discord community, it's been a bit of mixed reception. I think some people came in, much like you, Kevin, sort of like guns blazing, like you're charging in with the Howling Commandos and being like, great, what if I want to see freaky deaky things? But I think the show started understandably, quote unquote, grounded. It's weird to say that Cap stuff has is the most grounded out of the MCU because it's about a p- person who gets injected with stuff that makes him just like incredibly superhumanly powerful. But I think compared to aliens and wizards, basically compared to the big three, uh, you know, Steve Rogers is is relatively normal with his plights. And I think to your point, if you want to ease casual audiences who have come in, who have stayed through the MCU into this very new type of thing, I think it makes sense to go with something that is quite familiar, perhaps to its detriment, uh, where some people might say there's a lot of carbon copying here with the first Avenger mapping it onto Peggy Carter, I do think, like it or hate it, it was a conscious choice on the part of the creators to basically be like, okay, in this show, things are going to be a little bit different. Now, look, we're not going to completely throw you into boiling water. We're going to turn it up a degree and show you, here's something you're familiar with, but with a different character. So then we can get the eventual escalation into zombies. If you go full zombie in episode one, there I, I guarantee there are some people who are going to love the crap out of it, but some people that are like, okay, Marvel, this show absolutely is not for me. Yeah, and here's the thing. like, If there's complaints about this isn't that different. I don't know if I one necessarily agree it's not that different. There are a lot of beats end up the same, but that's how time usually plays out. Like a small <laughs> change in who went in there isn't going to affect literally everything. Um, some things would be, but this wouldn't, right? Like that one change is not going to affect too much. And I think there's multiple levels about why. One, I think the idea of just like, what if Peggy got instead of Steve shouldn't be that huge of a change because. To an extent, it's just like, what if the female character got it instead of the male character? And I don't, we don't want it to honestly go either way in the extremes. We don't want it to be like, well, she'd be worse because that would be bad or she'd be better because then that would feel for some people, I think they would have even worse of a backlash. I think the idea of just like, it's about the same is actually what I kind of enjoy. It's just like, it's about the same, but just a different flavor. There's just a different flag on there. And I think that's like, to me, thematically, in terms of just like, there's not a huge difference to that I like. There's other things that I really do love, though. I love the idea that 
even though it's skinny Steve and jacked Peggy, they're still super into each other because it's not about how they look physically. I was so happy about that. I also just want to see a lot of like th- that cosplay now. I wish we had conventions mm. again because I want to see cosplays of skinny oh, and it'd be, Steve it'd be and so Peggy. great for the pandemic like, as well. Like super social distance. Like you're basically a bubble boy if you put yourself in that metal <laughs> Hydra stomper suit. suit no, right? not even just, like, in the stomper cons- suit. I want. I just want skinny dude Steve in regular fatigues. I mean, listen. Yeah, I think uh, as a skinny nerd myself, it's like, oh, finally, we've been seen. We found our person. We're not just Spider Man anymore. So, I mean, you're asking, like, uh, is you know Captain Carter better or worse than Captain America? It's weird because I would say better, but I think it's due to the medium, and that segues into some animation talk because. By far, in my opinion, the strongest thing from this half hour was the action. The action action was was, so awesome. It was, it was like immaculate. It was maybe some of the best stuff I've seen in the MCU in quite some time, but I think it's no coincidence that it's because it's animated and you can quite literally defy the laws of physics. Dude, when she flips that tank. Yeah, Hulk style, <laughs> or 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 when she Age of Ultron, you know, mimicking rides the the motorcycle into the camp and mm-hmm. drives it what at least like two dozen feet into the air and kicks it into a watchtower. <laughs> it's not physically possible even from CGI standards. And again, that's why you love things like animation. Going all the way back to like, you know the Warner Brothers oeuvre is you get to have them do things that just defy the laws of nature, but it also allows you know someone to be like, well, listen. Haley Atwell's awesome. I don't think we could have a sequence of her jumping from plane to plane in this kick-ass montage and barraging the hell out of these Nazis, but we can do it here through animation. And so I really do like the medium from a number of perspectives. Not only do you get the ability to bring back a bunch of actors, which we got in this case, not only with the return of Haley Atwell, uh, but we got Bradley Whitford coming back uh, as his much maligned jackass uh sexist character from the Agent Carter one-off short that I believe came with the Iron Man 3 DVD. Uh, we got Dominic Coops making yeah. a return. Move over John Slattery. The true Howard Stark is here. Uh, we got the Howling Commandos came back. Sebastian Stan made a return, which people have opinions on. Uh, so it's an opportunity to, to bring those actors back. People but also, have opinions on Sebastian Stanley. <laughs> well, I, th- I, I think there was, there was a matter of, and I can understand it, that the first time he opened his mouth, it sounded, it didn't sound weird. It just felt like the voice did not necessarily fit the way that I think we saw the Bucky character. Uh, and maybe it's just because Sebastian Stan does not necessarily have that like voice for animation. I personally got used to it, but I could, I, we got a couple of comments about how it was a bit of like a shock at first of, Oh, okay. Sebastian Stan's not having a great time doing this VO work, but I think he eventually worked his way into it, or maybe we just got more used to it. I mean, maybe I didn't. I didn't really notice too much. I mean, maybe I just I'm not uh, a, a voice actor aficionado. Then I don't know. I watch a lot of animation. I I really didn't find anything that stuck out to the point of a detriment at all. Like. I don't know the the idea of just like well Sebastian Stan's voice acting wasn't great feels almost very close to like picking nits at this you know to, to for something yeah so let's talk about this animation style here because this is I think another bit of of, of a thing that people are trying to get used to stylistically I think yourself included Kevin you talked about this last week 
that the animation used is, I think, comparable to probably what's known as like shell, cell shaded graphics cell within yeah. video games. Uh, you might experience this from things like Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, or a lot of uh, platinum games like Beautiful Joe. Probably it's most more so known for the Telltale series of games, Rest in Peace Telltale, which actually dabbled in Marvel a bit. They actually had a couple of installments of a Guardians of the Galaxy series uh so it's it's a bit of a different look even from an animated perspective i know kevin you said you're still trying to wrap your brain around it and you've got eight more episodes to do so this season what's your opinion on it so far is is it uncanny valley for you is it something you're still trying to get used to you saw uncanny valley uh it because like uncanny valley i think you just have to be really much closer to like reality right like uncanny Mm. valley is like the dh technology where to me it's still (laughs) just like ooh, not quite um (gasps) I think it's just a style I'm not used to, and it, it, it it's going to make me sound like an old, but, like, I think that's the thing for me, is I grew up with a very, you know, that, that 2D style of animation that I'm really into. And I think this is somewhere between your 2D standard and your, like, Frozen-style 3D animation that, that is eyes. in. Right? Like, it, there's, a, there's a part between there, and that's where this falls. Um, and I'm not fully used to it yet. I also was really against that time period where uh, Green Lantern, the animated series, and Star Wars were all like, we're going to be 3D! You know, the mm. the, 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 the Batman uh, animated is just like, it's 3D animation! That's what the future is! The kids want 3D! And I'm just like, I, I don't know if any of us want it. Um, so for me, it's, it's because it's like closer to there, it still bumps a little bit. But I like it more than like the, the Warner Brothers things that they were doing for a while with that 3D style. Uh, I think this works a lot better because it still harkens back to the old animation with the cell shading. So um, I don't mind it. It took a second to get used to. Uh, I really got more into it with the action flow. I thought the Same. action was so good that it flowed so well. Yeah, it's one of those uh, things when like the characters that. were standing still talking. It was like, okay, this this feels yes. a little weird. But once they started moving, and maybe that's a little bit of the video gaminess, right? Of like, Probably, okay, right? once they're in motion it begins to all really make sense. But like once you see them standing there and the shadows and the lights are falling, it's not bad. I think it's still just for me again, a bit of a cognitive dissonance from like what I know of video games versus like trying to adapt that being like, this is not one 30 minute cutscene. Uh, you can put down the <laughs> controller. This is, this is a show. No, no, no. But the moment you put it down is where you have to do like a, a character react. You have to press X. You're just like, no, I missed it. And then your character dies and you're just like, damn it. Anyway. Yeah, no, Peggy Carter's a, a master of the, the quick time reaction. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you talked about the Skinny Steve stuff. So yeah, this is a bit of like, I would say almost like a sub question of what if, right? Obviously, the main question is what if Peggy Carter, I mean, the main question is what if Peggy Carter happened to stay in the room when the super soldier serum was injected so that when Erskine, RIP the Tooch, only gets like two lines in this, yeah. gets killed, you know, and Steve ends up getting shot, she's the one to step in. And so, again, it's really this idea of, like, one small decision change can just affect everything. But the other side of that is the Steve side of things, where he's not exactly sidelined. He gets put in basically what is a a proto-Iron Man armor from Howard Stark. Absolutely. And so this is the part now where I think the the confines to what a lot of people are just like, but what did change? And unfortunately, this is one of those things, too, like why I love the multiverse, because a lot of me is just like, I want more. I want to see more of this universe. Like what happens when Peggy returns? What else has changed 
because of that. Because I think a lot could have changed. In the comics, they would do time jumps and they would do shiftings in the single issue. So you would see a lot more of the of the timeline itself than just the one segment we got here. And I really, again, this is one where I'm just like, I so want more of this. Because so many things are different, ultimately. Because Howard invented an Iron Man outfit way, way before history dictated that. How has that changed things? America now has Iron Man technology built by Howard Stark when he was working for the military. Does Tony show up? Like, is it something that's now passed down? How long was Steve in that armor? There's a lot of things that I think would have altered reality from that one change. And then you have also Cthulhu monsters showing up, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's a lot that I think is different. How does Captain Carter being the symbol for um the, the World War II shift how Britain and America are viewed on a global scale in the modern day? Now, do I think that part of it is going to get into if they ever continue this? Probably not too much. But the potential is there about massive, massive shifts and change. Like, the one thing has changed a lot. Even if the beats we saw played out were somewhat similar i think globally that world is going to be a lot different than the one we know yeah so one big change that i really liked that we saw was we skipped you know peggy carter's not the star spangled man uh she is not being sent out on those uso tours even though it seems like howard stark still does the thing where he repurposes the costume and he creates the shield right it seems like General Jackass is not sending Peggy Carter out to even do the promo tour because she's a girl and girls shouldn't be on the front line, which I think is a very fun, if small commentary again about how just the change in the gender of Captain America can really affect their perception. Now, granted, they don't really do it on it too much because Peggy's still able to like defy him, you know, go in, get the Tesseract, etc., get egg all over Bradley Whitford's big old dumb face. <laughs> but at the same time, I think there's a really fun moment. I'm glad you brought up Skinny Steve. What turns out to be, you know, one of the last conversations they have together, uh, which is, you know, them sitting in the the cafe or whatever, where basically Peggy says that she's no longer screaming to be heard or seen. And Steve obviously relates to that as someone who is looking to be respected. And I think what makes it different than the first Avenger in this case was Steve got that and Peggy Carter still didn't really get that up to that point, right? Like she had not been imbued with superpowers. She was still this woman working in this sexist group. Again, check out the Agent Carter one shot or the entire Agent Carter series if you want to see what she underwent. Here she gets that satisfaction. And in a way, so does Steve as well, in that like Steve is not necessarily now back on his luck, skinny kid from Brooklyn who can't catch a break. He still has an opportunity to participate, which I I do find interesting in that regard, that it's not exactly uh, like he's just sent back to the ranks. There's something that he still is a part of, and there's still a way for him to feel a bit respected as well. Maybe what I could have done without Howard Stark leaning in like Porky Pig style as the iris literally closes in on them. Uh, I don't know. The Howard Stark stuff was interesting. It was an interesting depiction of Howard Stark, in my opinion. I mean, I was mostly fine with it. I think there was a lot of like goofiness, but I was again, I'm okay with it because like it's okay to have a little more fun, I think, with these because they can be a little fun, a little more silly. Also, let's not forget this was mimicking the first Avenger, which had a lot of that pulpiness to it. This is mimicking the style of pulp 
And that is what that is and what so, is how it's done, you know? Yeah, so much like His Girl Friday, right? The, like, the, the rat-a-tat-tat 40s yeah. dialogue, especially from Stark, right? Of like, oh, don't step on my toes here, lady. I do the science, yeah. Like, right. th- that, that's exactly what the tone they're going for is. Yeah, and I think they matched it. And I think that's on purpose. Um, speaking of the, that, that scene and the Skinny Steve stuff, I'm going to say what I think was the biggest mistake in this okay. episode. And I think it maybe could have also given people a little bit more of what they hoped oh, for. Oh, I think I know. I think I know what it is, but I'm going to like put it in my head uh, uh-huh. and, and I'll be truthful about it. But I'm, I'll, I'll see if I can play newlywed game here with Kevin right now. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, Steve should not have been found after he yep. fell off that train. Steve should have been the Bucky. Imagine, imagine the future of this world where Steve falls off that train Everyone thinks he's dead. And in present day, you have Captain Carter and a Winter Soldier. And that mask comes off and it's Steve goddamn Rogers. Who who the hell is Steve? It would be (laughs) awesome. And it would be such an impact to show how reality can diverge, how things can change, how like everything can be a little bit different, but similar. And I think that would have been really powerful and really interesting if Steve Rogers became the Bucky in this universe, the Bucky to Captain Carter, right? Like, I think that would have been really fascinating it really would have made me like hyped to see that future as well but i'm just like i need more now i need that version of civil war right like uh or winter soldier and civil war like that would be so interesting and fascinating um so i think to me that was the biggest mistake that this uh episode did is that keeping steve alive and having him be there at the end and having them be that extra conversation I think was a missed opportunity, a huge missed opportunity that could have really like propelled this, I think, to a different level. All right. Well, we are one for one in that regard. So I'm happy uh, Bob Eubanks is giving us the car or whatever. We're going to take it as a win. We, we, we won yeah, exactly. the newlywed no, game. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I definitely thought it was going there when Same. we got to that train scene, right? Yep. When we see the train, especially when we get the, uh, the, the scare and the swerve with Bucky, right? Oh, you almost ripped my arm off, but I'm not falling off this cliff. Not no way, not no how huge train exploding like okay steve is going to be the bucky and yeah it'd be interesting because i think while there might be some consternation of like well you're just doing the same thing again i think seeing steve rogers as the winter soldier is different than seeing bucky barnes as the winter soldier because steve and bucky are incredibly different characters and it would be interesting to see especially as as much as people would want it to be Steve and Bucky are not romantically re- entangled. Uh, and so there was definitely, you know, a, a certain different way that I think those two regarded each other in Captain America, the Winter Soldier moving forward, as opposed to if Peggy Carter jumps 50 plus years into the future and says like, hey, you've been in a portal this entire time. Everyone you know is dead. And by the way, your lover is now become like an, an, an hydrant assassin. Right. There is so much there and so yeah i i do partially wish that they could have done that i know that there might have been some some reprises or echoes that they wanted to put in there like for instance i thought it was a really fun moment where they find steve steve's able to start off the hydra stomp uh, stamper armor and it it falls over (laughs) and bucky says uh we don't got all day which i think Mm -hmm. is a great take if i can do this all day and then of course right we're gonna get the reverse of cap in the plane in the first avenger here with Peggy disappearing into the portal, essentially sacrificing herself. Oh, I promised you a dance. Okay, how about Saturday night, right? They wanted to do that reverse of that to really hammer the point home. But yeah, it it would be very fun. And who knows? 
maybe it still might be. They did not say that Steve was dead, right? They just said the war is over. Yep. So maybe there's still a chance that that it could happen. Speaking of what Peggy's fighting about, because this is also a bit of can of worms, a bit of a can of tentacles to open up. Because, Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but there is some theorizing as to who was the quote-unquote, what, like, mascot of Hydra that the Red Skull was trying to bring about here, and how it actually might have ties into Doctor Strange. Uh, is it Dormammu? Like, is that what they're going with? I don't remember. So, Dorm- oh, you, wait, so- is it? Oh, God. What? Uh, Shuma Gorath? So yeah, there's people are saying because Shuma so Shuma Gorath, uh Kevin can sort of fill in the details, but you know, is very tentacular and has one central eye, and that's really all we saw of this Cthulhu like mm-hmm. creature. And so a lot of people are theorizing, again, especially with a Doctor Strange movie down the horizon, especially with this idea of traveling between multiple planes, that Shuma Gorath, this might be their MCU introduction, albeit in variant form. That's kind of hilarious. I don't know a ton about Shuma Gorath. I will say, like, I knew of the character design for a long time, uh, but I wasn't, like, the hardcore Doctor Strange comic reader back in the day. Uh, it wasn't until uh, he showed up in Marvel vs. Capcom that I was just like, is that Shumagora? And then I was just like, that's wild. So, like, that's why when you said this, I was, like, flying through my head, where it's like, tentacle, tentacle, tentacle. Oh, Shumagora, obviously. <laughs> and so, uh, like, that's... <laughs> I mean, and then you invoking Marvel vs. Capcom, I hope... Hope everyone else out there, in addition to me, is now just has running through their head. Gonna take you for a ride because that's <laughs> every time Marvel versus Capcom comes out. So yeah, I mean, again, might be a bit of a stretch. I think jury's still out. You guys talked about this last week as to how canonical any of this stuff is going to be. But yeah, it could be possible they just like backdoor introduced uh, a Doctor Strange villain and that might be able to at least make an appearance in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool, right? Those are the little things that I think can be interesting to at least hint at and, like, tease out what can be coming. Um, Because we don't know a lot about, like, where that portal led and, like, what happened to her in that time period. Did she Was she fighting a nonstop battle for, like, 70 years? She didn't age, but, like, was she, like, was, or was it just, like, a blink in, blink out? Like, there's a lot of questions there about, like, how it ultimately works. Um, And, like, yeah, again... I would be glad if there's connections here, but I'm also totally fine with these one-off stories because, like, that's a fascinating part. Again, the storytelling potential for for a lot of this. I mean, everybody was like, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people want the, like, WandaVision to Loki and stuff like that and, and the, the Falcon to Winter Soldier. But as far as I'm concerned, I just got a done-in-one story that felt complete that I had very little complaints about. Whereas... I had eight to nine episodes of a lot of those shows where I'm just like, okay, I guess that's a thing that happened. Um, so like for me, this is like a kind of cool, fun palate cleanser. It feels comic booky. It feels like I'm just yeah. reading these stories. I do want more. That's my one complaint, at least from this reality. I think there's such a door, you know, a world of possibility, ha ha ha, um, that you could get into with some, something like this, especially with the response of, uh, Peggy as Captain Carter. Although, again, I don't know why she didn't just call herself Captain Britain, but uh, that's fine. Literally, there is a character named Captain Britain in the comics. Yeah, true, like but, but, right uh, but Captain Britain has different a different origin story, right? Isn't he oh, like, uh, gets in like a car accident or something, and he's like magically brought back to life. So, yeah, and he has like uh, a lineage. Yeah, Brian Bat- Braddock and uh, and his sister Betsy, who's Psylocke. Um, so, like, there's all this stuff that that they could like that is different in the comics but like he's 
they're not here <laughs> in the in, in the MCU. So like Peggy taking up the name Cat and Britain could have worked. Also, it's very odd in my opinion. Uh, and again, I, I I'm not British, so I don't know. But from what I have seen about the British people, it seems weird to individualize yourself in such a way in Britain. I feel like Britain would just be like, oh yes, no, I'm Captain Britain. Uh, please don't look at me. Like, you know, like I feel like it's not a very British thing to do to, to name yourself Captain Carter versus yes, I am here to represent the crown, you know? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, they're not so much about like notoriety, right? If, yeah. It's gotta be my name emblazoned on the shield. I gotta say the shield with the Union Jack. Uh, it, it didn't, I didn't, surprisingly did not take me that long to get used to it. Maybe it's because of the red, white, and blue is sort of inherent in both countries. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details Well, I mean, you speak about what's next. So let me reveal to some something that has come to light. I think in the past couple of weeks, we are not done with Captain Carter. Uh, in oh, an interview- I actually naturally did not know any of this. So in an interview with an executive producer, um, his name is escaping me. But basically what he said was, A, in case people didn't know, what if is renewed at least for one more season? So welcome back. I mean, more episodes yes. of what if. Whenever that's coming, 2022, 2023, whatever. <laughs> uh, and the, the executive producer said that every season of What If, so long as it's being produced, will have a Captain Carter episode in it. Oh, that's awesome. See, I love that. I love that. I love the idea that we're going to get a continuation. Although now it makes me be like, you really should have done the Steve thing then. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Again, it might still be possible. It makes me happy because, again, I think the the What If within the What If, that deliciousness lies in what happened in that last scene lies in the time jump where captain carter comes about and is a uh, i would say i think a little more in that second act more acclimated to her to 2011 than steve rogers was right we don't get her moment of her running into Times square and the big circular shot of her taking everything in so she's okay at the moment but you brought up a really great point before that 
as much as you might think this is paint by numbers in terms of the plot, the circumstances and the questions it opens as to what the world looks like now are voluminous. And I think that's why I'm so happy we get more adventures of it, because let's, let's ask them some other questions here. Like you said, you know, Howard Stark just invented Mach 1 Iron Man armor in the 40s. So does he bring that back and, you know, patent it? And suddenly now we're going to have a bunch of people flying around in this armor. Not to mention with Howard Stark, Howard Stark assumingly is going to die. But does he die the way he does? Because with no Bucky being taken and assumingly no Steve Rogers, is there no Winter Soldier program? Is there no protocol to eliminate people like Howard and Mariah Stark? What does that mean for Tony Stark? Then does he become Iron Man? Does he further slip into playboy ass buffoonery uh, and just not become a hero whatsoever? But most importantly, Kevin, is there still a Sharon Carter in this modern day? And if so, if not, does Sharon Carter still become the power broker? And in this universe, does Mike Bloom God. not eat a snake because Sharon Carter is not a power broker? I think I think Mike Bloom did not eat a snake in that universe oh, because there would I'm be so no jealous Sharon of him. Carter and there would be no yeah. Uh, so that's clearly the better universe. Ultimately, I guess <laughs> I guess we now know our answer. Which one? Which universe was better? It's this one where Mike yeah. Bloom did not eat a snake. Exactly. Though I probably make some other like asinine bet at that point. <laughs> Bloom I mean, is the, Bloom in every universe. Exactly. In I'm, not, I'm not deviating too much from who I am because yeah, the, the Sharon Carter thing right it's like she was peggy carter's niece and i'm assuming she would still be born but it's not like she would follow in her footsteps and become an fbi agent because uh her sure aunt has disappeared into the tesseract for 50 plus years uh i don't know think she's exactly starting a career in shield based on i don't think sharon carter can be born that would not be possible because peggy's not there like uh, well i guess yeah oh right i forgot in this universe, it's not her direct descendant. In the right. comics, it was for a while. Okay, never mind, because in the comics, I was like, that doesn't happen anymore. Peggy no longer exists. So I guess that's true. Although, if we're going with the jokes people have made now with uh, with Steve going back in time, who knows what's <laughs> what this universe's uh, origin for Sharon Carter actually is. Yeah, imagine if we just, all the other future Captain Carter episodes are just Every single Cap thing from the MCU played out exactly the same, but just with Captain Carter instead. Like, <laughs> Captain Carter, Civil War. Uh, you know, Captain Carter, she has a huge beard as she's hanging out in Wakanda defending herself <laughs> against Thanos. I'd see it. I, 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 all for it. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, again, like, this is a cool thing, and I'm happy that they're going to be exploring it because I think there is so much potential for it. And I think in a similar way, it's weird because people who were just like oh yeah things kind of played out similarly and i was just like well not fully and i think not having a little bit more room to like show the future is probably where um we didn't get like what maybe people were looking for in terms of that but we know that we're gonna get a lot of that we know that we're gonna get wonky and wild because some universes are gonna be super different and some are gonna be kind of similar and uh i was okay with this one as an introduction because i think the potential again the storytelling potential is so vast and wild even in this this one where things didn't look so much different just from us talking about it. There's clearly a lot that can be. What did you think of new Steve? Obviously uh, we know that we, we don't have any RDJ. We don't get any Chris Evans in what if uh, one of the few, I think MCU stars that is not reprising their role in animated form. Did that stick out to you or were you fine with new Steve? 
I was fine with you, Steve. Again, I'm I'm used to a world where at one point Wolverine had like an Australian accent, which is ironic. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I'm okay with like the changing voices of characters, uh, especially in the Marvel universe and especially in like the DC and comic book universe. So having someone that didn't that you know did almost sound like Chris Evans, but obviously wasn't wasn't that big deal to me. It's like the same thing in um in Endgame, right? Like that yeah. wasn't Hugo Weaving, so like no. that's fine. Uh, although yeah, we won't it, we won't be seeing Red Skull again, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and actually, the guy who voiced him in Endgame and Infinity War came back for this as mm-hmm. well. So there's, there's some consistency. There's a bit of like Edward Norton, uh, Mark Ruffalo thing going on, right? Where we have the old Red Skull and the new Red Skull. But yeah, here's another thing as well. I don't know if uh, this Red Skull ends up on Vormir trying to trade his life for an Infinity Stone because he done got snatched up by that by Squid Sir Squiddington. Uh, Not even essentially got snatched like, up. He got crushed. <laughs> he just got yeah. whoop. Exactly. So it's interesting because obviously, you know, the first Avenger, the implications were that the the Red Skull died there, too, but in a very different way. I didn't have a problem with him as well. Uh, Josh Keaton, I believe his his name is, who voiced Steve. I think it's also because, again, this version of Steve is not like big and hulking necessarily. So he doesn't you don't really need that sort of like Chris Evans machismo. Uh, He was able to play it a bit dweebier. I would say I think they miss an opportunity to bring in uh, Jay Baruchel to voice Steve just because <laughs> the skinny Steve reminds me a lot of Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon that uh-huh. he voices. Uh, I actually saw a meme, I think, where they I've compared seen it too, where yeah, Hiccup in the three How to Train Your Dragon movies with, with, with Steve Rogers. It's uh-huh. like surprisingly accurate. Yes, <laughs> they were wrong. I, I saw that before as well, and I was just like, <laughs> the parallels are here. I'm in for it. Well, speaking of parallels, I mean, going back to the Red Skull thing, I do think that there were some moments that, like you said, I could understand wanting to map similar things, but they were a little samey. Like, for instance, I don't know if we need basically the exact same scene of Red Skull saying, oh, yes, I'm, you know, striking out from the Third Reich. I'm doing my own thing. Like, I don't think it was the exact same dialogue, but I'm pretty sure sans the 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 Shumagarat stuff, everything that Red Skull did in this was pretty much beat for beat what he does in Captain America, the first Avenger, which, you know, I guess if you're doing an improv scene, right, you need like the straight man and the crazy man. So you can sort of gauge the behaviors against Captain Carter was the crazy man here and and Red Skull was the straight man. But I got to admit, I I wasn't a huge fan of seeing those beats happen once more in a movie that we've seen 10 years ago. I guess, but like your Red Skull is rather single minded. He's a meticulous person. I don't I, I don't see his plans changing that much the biggest change was of course at the end where he summoned a a, a extra dimensional demon uh which is a bit of a change um yeah. so like there was that difference but i mean yeah the the red skull has a plan has a plan has a plan and most of the stuff that would affect him wasn't affected by the change of captain carter so i don't know i mean that tracks for me um i don't know what reason for a huge difference would be like, Thanos was always going to be Thanos. The only reason he changed mm. is because he saw his future, right? Like, that's how most of us work. Uh, if there's nothing that's, that's changing him around him, then why would he change to react to it? That would make no sense. Because, like, yeah. the, the Nazis and Hydra are still fighting the same dang people. Like, <laughs> they're not, they're not doing anything different. They're still fighting, you know, uh, Britain and America. To them, guess what? Everybody else is the same. So, you know, that's sort of their whole issue. Um, so, like, yeah, it doesn't make that much of a difference to me that um, he acted the same way, because logically and story-wise, he would. 
Speaking of seeing the future, I, I want to talk about our, our bookends here. Essentially, the Rod Serling of What If. Let's talk for a second about Uwatu. We talked about him in the very beginning, but I guess it's, it's fitting that we talk about him near the end here. It's been a brief glimpse, but Kevin, lots of hype about the, the incredible Jeffrey Wright coming in to voice this, as well as some mystique around what role is Uwatu going to play in comparison to his role in the comics? I know it was in short supply, but what what's your sense of this version of Uwatu? I mean, we don't get a lot of them, right? Like you said, uh, one, I think Jeffrey Wright as just his voice is so epic uh, that I think the narration from him was fantastic. And I was really into that. Um, but we only really get Uwatu as just like almost static imagery, right? Like, and you see mm. the stars within his face, which is also something that happens in the comic quite a bit. Um, so it really was matching and mimicking that style. I don't think we're going to get a lot from him in terms of any bigger connective tissue uh, throughout the series like that much. They weren't going to tip a hand in, in the first one. You know, the prediction of he's talking to Stephen Strange or Kang the Conqueror. Uh, I don't think that's that's going to happen in your first episode. So if, if that does happen, I think that's not going to happen until the end. <laughs> Do you think this is not going to be like How I Met Your Mother, where it's Stephen Strange and King the Cocker sitting on the couch and Uwatu's like, all right, this is the story of the multiverse. Can you imagine? I would love it. I'd love it if that was <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> what if Captain Carter got a blue French horn and gave it to Skinny Steve? Except it took 10 years to do it and none of it <laughs> yeah. made any sense. Exactly. Listen, if we get 10 seasons of What If and it's going to end with Captain Carter and Skinny Steve getting back together at the end, like the comparisons, just note that we made this comparison here all that time ago. Yeah, it's it's interesting to view him. Uh, I will be honest, his opening monologue was a little Star Trek evocative to <laughs> me. Space, time, yeah. reality, uh, a prism of endless possibilities, the, the images. And again, this is another reason why animation as a medium is in my opinion, incredibly underrated. It's just because of the beauty of what you could do. I love the shattered prism, uh, you know, the images through the glass that seems to indicate what we're getting moving forward. But yeah, essentially, he he pops in and out to essentially say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're doing multiverse stuff. And then at the end, he basically says, hey, wasn't that fun? By the way, I can't interfere or do anything. Bye. Yeah. See you next week. So <laughs> I mean, he, that's, that's essentially what the Watcher does. That's, that's exactly. It, that's his entire existence. <laughs> yeah, so like he, he establishes his character pretty much, but I think to your point, I think if we are counting on him to have maybe a larger canonical role into things, I don't know if we're exactly going to be there. At least it wasn't hinted at in the first episode. Maybe it will to come, but I, again, I made the comparison before. I think we should more so look on him as just the narrator, right? This character and the role that he plays in the MCU is sort of a storyteller. It's what he does. Uh, and so I think we, we're just going to watch him, watch the Watcher, sit back and have him tell us a story. Watch the Watcher, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let me, before we or get the into voyeur, some... would that be the other one who watches the watcher? The voyeur. <laughs> oh no, yeah, exactly. Then we're going to bring in it's season two, it's going to be dual narrators now. It's a watcher and a voyeur just sort of spatting with each other. Before we get into some feedback from the listeners, I do want to ask one question, Kevin. I'm going to attempt to make this a runner and I'll see. I'm going to pass this baton to Josh Wiggler when he comes back in a couple weeks, see how he responds. But look, again, we talk about canonical implications. We are getting into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The multiverse has been outright explicitly stated as existing, the onus of the series. So I figured I'd try this every week, Kevin. Let me ask you, for the first episode, will we get 
Captain Carter in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <sighs> I want to say no. I think for most of these, what it might end up being is that we'll get a flash or a clip and maybe they'll still CG a little bit better. Uh, Haley Atwell in the Captain Carter <laughs> outfit. No, um, I want, them, I want, them, to, I want, I want them to go into the Spider-Verse and just have one fully 2D animated universe. I mean, <laughs> I'm just God. like, oh, that, that's weird. Why that's is that weird. one car- a cartoon? <laughs> See, I'm into that, though. It's like, for me, I'm just like, yes, please, let's do that. Um, but I don't think we'll we'll actually get it in that manner. I, I, I honestly don't think we'll probably get any of them in, in, in that way. It would be cool. But also, I'm just trying to, like, downplay my own excitement about what the Multiverse of Madness could be because I saw what Loki ended up as. And I'm just kind of like, mm. well... You hope too much for one thing. You hope for quantum leap and you don't get it. You're kind of like, all right, don't shoot yourself in the foot here. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of where I am on it. I don't think they're, they're going to be boy. Boy, would I love to be proven wrong, but I also think, yeah, I think the flash of it would be fine because Captain Carter, if they're going to continue it, I think it's its own thing, right? It, they're going to have their own way of telling the story in this show. So I don't think, uh, we're going to see it in that way. Um, now, whether or not we'll see Marvel zombies show up in, in the multiverse of madness, I think that's a slightly higher possibility because that could be really interesting and funny. Yeah. I mean, I would love it as well. I think Haley, I will, I wouldn't say she was done dirty, but I think it is sucky in retrospect that she gets this, you know, big spinoff show runs for a couple seasons before getting canned. And now it has officially not been canonized, right? We talked about this with the Colson stuff, but I believe they released sort of a, you know, a, remember Peggy Carter like they do with all the MCU characters before What If and none of the clips showed anything from her show. So this is essentially the MCU being like, Marvel TV, we're not necessarily doing that even if it includes characters that were introduced in the MCU. Uh, And so I do feel bad that, you know, she got all dressed up and had nowhere to go and so I would love to get an opportunity for her to be able to like don that suit live action. But if, if the character has to live on, I'm glad she lives on in this way it would be pretty amazing though if like you know steven strange is getting his ass handed to him in comes a shield to bash whoever's kicking his butt and then in comes peggy carter to like you know grab it back uh i think would be an incredible image but like you said i want to keep my expectations nice and low yeah buddy i'm with you 100 percent. like comic books have made those dreams come true when i was like you know it'd be cool right now and then i turned the page and it did happen <laughs> but i don't think that's gonna occur so much um in 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 this type of stuff i don't i don't think the mcu has gotten to the point of being that cavalier with stuff you know i think they're a little restrained still although to your to the point though the actor who played jarvis in agent carter did show up in uh end game so mm-hmm. eh, i mean yeah kinda. it's weird there, there are some things right there's a the whole like grimald uh in wandavision that was a big part of agents of shield but wasn't really referenced so like we're still in this weird territory as to what is or isn't canon, though I guess the setup of the multiverse, maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now meant to be like one big seven, eight season what if Agent Coulson actually got <laughs> resurrected, and this is the universe where he's dead. Uh, jury's still out on that. Let's get into some of your feedback. So, of course, we love to hear from you all. You can write in every week, super at postshowrecaps.com, or if you're at a Patreon at the $10 level, you got access to that sweet, sweet Discord where you can 
ensconce yourself, shroud yourself in the beautiful community, much like Steve Rogers does with the proto Iron Man armor. Here's a few comments from you all about what if episode one, starting with, of course, the great Torby. Uh, Torby says, I won't say that it's mind blowing or anything, but this is a fun way to kick off this series. Start with a base level story that's well known, give a basic twist and go to town. My opinions are based around the notion that things pick up and get crazier in future weeks. The animation for the action is awesome. The animation for dialogue isn't that great, but passable in my opinion. Most of the voice acting was fine. Nothing, parentheses, besides Sebastian Stan, took me out of the episode. All in all, with this likely being the most grounded episode, it has made me very excited for where we go. So are you uh, are you picking up the stake? Or snake that Torby's putting down there. Kevin, do you think this is going to be, when we look back in eight weeks, the most grounded episode of What If This Season? Uh, possibly. It's hard to tell like what the plans are for some of them, but I think this could possibly be the most grounded one, the most straightforward one. And again, as a way of kicking off the series, I think that's really smart. Um, and I, yeah, I think I agree with everything Torby said here. Um, I, it wasn't mind-blowing, but it was awesome and was the thing that I wanted it to be. Uh, I think Twilight Zone is a great example for this, honestly, because it's like, it's an anthology, right? Like, some of yeah. them are going to hit for some people, some of them maybe won't hit as much for other people. Um, but I, I think there's going to be stuff that, you know, shows the potential and shows the, like, craziness we can get. And then in, like, week nine, we're going to get people who are like, this is so crazy! Why would it be this insane? Why would it change this much? And it's just like, pick a lane, people. Exactly. The grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, so some people, though, might have felt that the Steve Rogers story was not the base, best place to start the series. Cutesy asks, as for alternatives to kick off with, it would be kind of cool to have an alternate Thor and Loki story since we saw Loki most recently. What do you think about that, Kevin? If there is indeed like a Thor and Loki thing later on, what do you think about putting that in the beginning to sort of mirror the, the thing we just finished with with Loki. Is that too much Loki overkill? Is that Loki kill to you? It's Loki kill. It's just like it's too much. I mean, at that, it's just way too much. I've seen I've seen two goddamn story arcs with Loki already. Three, <laughs> if you really want to look at the the series itself. I don't need a fourth Loki story arc for this one character at this point. That to me, that's like oversaturation of Loki. Uh, so like I would I would have been really just like Jesus Christ, another goddamn Loki focus. If they had kicked off what if that way, it makes yeah. sense to me to do Steve and Captain America because he is the first Avenger. While his movie didn't came, come out first, it was a lot of impetus for a lot of the stuff we end up with in the Marvel yeah. universe. So and not to mention, uh, if, if people out there, my wife included, were like, I'm going to watch through the MCU in chronological order from a timeline perspective. Cap's the only one, always the one that comes out first, even though maybe Eternals, some scenes from Eternals might, you know, <laughs> supersede that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's first in many different regards. And from that point, it, it's a, an incredibly important movie for the MCU. So I think it makes sense. Also, we talked about this when we covered Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? The looming missing shadow of Steve Rogers. You know, he hasn't shown up since Endgame. And this is the first time I think we got to see the character going back to his origin story and viewing it in a different light, I think, makes a lot of sense. It's been quite a number of years without Steve Rogers, even though his name has been invoked. He has nary been seen. So I think it made sense for many reasons that we stated before, including that, to, to start with it. Let's hear from someone who maybe did not have as high thoughts about this episode as we did. Someone who took the ground floor while we went to the balcony. This, of course, <laughs> is from the great Riley. Riley says, I love seeing Captain Carter and Pega getting her due and the animation and action were incredible. However, 
I felt some of the voice acting was really stiff, and a lot of the humor was super forced for me. I also felt the plot was super basic and not very what-if-y. It was way more the first Avenger again, but this time Peggy and Steve swap places, parentheses, but Steve gets a proto-Iron Man suit. It was the same beats and the same general plot with a couple small differences, just with Peggy and Steve's role, parentheses, something I enjoyed. It didn't feel like it went as wild as it could have. Things could have diverged way more from the point, but instead things stayed mostly the same, just with character roles swapped around. I wanted to see something where one choice made something wildly different happen. This feels relatively safe. Thoughts on that, Kevin? Um, yeah, I mean, again, like, I, I think we talked a little bit about, like, how the beats lined up. And again, I disagree a little bit that not much changed because, I, again, I think there's massive consequences and repercussions that could come out from this change that they haven't delved into. I mean, again, Steve being in a proto Iron Man outfit in the 1940s is a huge change, guys. Um, so I think that's stuff that, you know, we talked a little bit about. I think the idea of like wanting the wild stuff, I, I can, I can understand that. And I think we're going to get it again. We're going to get Marvel zombies. You know, what's happening. Um, but like kicking it off, like Riley's a comic book fan like me. And I think that might be the, the, the hookup, right? Like, I think mm. that's the thing that Riley and I, and, and like a lot of other people, especially if you're into comics are used to just stuff like this that could feel standard now. It's like when we talk about certain beats in movies and we're just like, it's so predictable. We knew it was coming because we've been inundated with this stuff. We know what's coming. We're like, we're like Nicholas Cage and next we can see it happening oh, no. in front of us. It's real. Uh, it's happening. Yeah. We're all Nicholas Cage, but that's my point is that like when you live in the world, something that feels almost that is different, but isn't different enough can feel standard to us. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be the case for everyone. I do think, yeah, it, it is a safer coming out the gate with. But I think going too wild would have maybe turned off the broad audience, and they don't want to lose that. I think they're already at a loss because there's going to be a lot of people who don't watch it because it's animation. And again, don't get me started with those people. But like, you don't want to lose the entire audience by doing Marvel zombies out the gate. Yeah. I, what I would also say, I think now, given the hindsight that this is going to be a multi-episode exploration, going back to the comics analog, this very much felt like the first issue. Yes. You know, of, okay, now the to be continued is, oh, she wakes up in the future, and now they're going to have multiple issues forward to explore it. Granted, I don't think that's the way they should be producing these episodes with, like, an implication, because, again, like you've said, the thing I love about this is that it's not meant to be serialized. It's supposed to be an anthology. It's supposed to be one-offs. I'm grateful that we're going to get the opportunity to explore whatever freaky deaky world exists now in 2011 with, you know, no snake eating Mike Bloom and, you know, Iron Man floating around just to get people to the grocery store to buy milk. But I, I think that what they had to accomplish here, especially with the 30 minute runtime, they wanted to set something up in a micro and a macro way. Uh, from both the Peggy Carter perspective and also from the show's perspective. So again, I'll go back to what I said before. I think it was a stable, fun start. I can understand Riley's points. I do think it comes down to expectations. But to, to you know, co-op what you said before, I think we're going to ramp things up pretty soon. I think we're going to go to zero to 60 in a, in a pretty considerable amount of time. Let's hear uh, from a very tried and true and a one-time guest here on Everything is Super. The great Professor Strunk writes in. And uh, Professor Strunk actually is going to disagree with you a bit here, Kevin, on the Peggy and Skinny How Steve stuff. dare you, Professor? 
Professor Shrunk says, I don't know if this is a controversial take, but am I the only one who thinks Peggy Carter would not have been romantically interested in non-Super Soldier Steve? I'm curious for Mike and Kevin's takes on this if they want to address it. I would have enjoyed a story where the two develop a platonic friendship for two reasons. First, as Kevin has said, there is a lack of male-female platonic friendship storylines in TV and movies. And second, a platonic friendship would have underscored the show's theme. That one small change, like Peggy Carter staying on the ground floor rather than going up to the balcony, can have these massive repercussions, i.e., if Peggy Carter had stayed on the ground floor, we all would have been saved from Steve making out with his niece. And yes, that is uh, another branch that I'm very happy is sawed off this particular tree. But Kevin, what, what's, your, what's your response to the great professor's thinking about the possibly going down the path of they're not they're not, you know, they don't have dance dates, but they were keen to hang out before everything happened. I think I think it doesn't work for me for a few reasons. One, I disagree that Peggy wouldn't be into Skinny Steve. Peggy was into Skinny Steve. We got it in the opening of the first adventure. She admired him greatly. Uh, and yeah. was into him. So to the I point think- where, again, I'll go back to that that Marvel one short uh, one shot because I just watched it. She admires a picture of Steve in her office, which takes place after the first Avenger, and, and it's it a is, skinny uh, one. Yep. Yeah, it's a picture of skinny Steve. It's not him in the cap armor. That is correct. So I think I think that notion of like Peggy not being into him if he was skinny Steve is false in in that part. Um, I also beyond that though, I don't. I agree. Again, I've, I've talked a lot about it, but this isn't the place for it, especially because of the physical part of it, right? Like, if you have Peggy, Peggy Carter not being into him because he's skinny Steve or just being a platonic friendship, I think the implications there are sort of a uh, bit rough. It's like if you had, like, an overweight character and it's just like, well, they can only be friends. And you're just like, that's that's weird that, that that's how it ended up here, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's that's the problem with it in this context because of the the greater scale of it again i love the fact that they're super into each other even though she's jacked peggy and he's skinny steve no matter what reality it's just like they're into each other because they are into each other for who they are underneath um which to me underscores the point of steve like that's the whole thing i actually saw this awesome meme i'd seen the first half of it before but i saw the second half of it and it was um the scene from avengers the first avengers movie uh, where they're having that argument and, um, uh, Steve tells Tony, you know, you're not the one to make the sacrifice, sacrifice to jump play. on the grenade. And then they cut and then they show the parallel of Tony doing the snap. Right. And then and I then think the, the second half is, is right. Tony telling Steve, like, everything you special about you is in a bottle, right? Correct. Was made in a lab and it's Steve holding Mjolnir. And it's just like, yeah, he's not picking up Mjolnir because he's jacked, guys. And I think that's the same thing here is that Steve, who he is is all on the inside. And so like Peggy and everyone else would still like him because of who that person is, not because of like, he could pick up me older right now as skinny. Steve is the idea. Right. And so I think that's why it works for me here. There are instances where I do think, yes, you should have platonic friendships between uh, men and women absolutely should explore more of them. But in this context, in the way it's being presented, I don't think it would work because there's too much other implications that would yeah. be rough. I don't like the implication that, okay, Peggy Carter's kind of shallow, right? Yeah, like, basically. Like, like, Steve's great, but, like, is he thick, though? No. Boy, bye. Stay away from yeah. me. I've I've got other guys to go. I've come here, Bucky. That'd be the like, darkest timeline. Yeah, and you, you could have instances, again, if Steve had, you know, had died on the train or something. You have stuff with her and Howard where I never got romantic, you know, and they, they were, like, friends more than anything else, even though they tempted with it. I think there's things you could play with there uh, quite possibly when it comes to that sort of stuff. But 
In terms of the Peggy and Steve situation, I think it has to work this way because of how it plays out. Now, if you want to end up in a situation where, like, uh, you know, I kind of have the idea of, like, one of the what-ifs is about T'Challa being taken into space. Like, if you have a situation there with uh, Gamora to T'Challa or friends, like, that could be a little bit better, you know? So mm-hmm. I think I think those are the things that that you can twist but in this particular context it becomes rough. Let's finish things on a high note quite literally in terms of altitude. I just want to come back to what both Todd the Librarian and Austin Smith say in their opinion was the highlight of the episode which was the montage, uh, specifically the aerial battle. Austin says the aerial battle was definitely the highlight, I think in large part because it was the scene that was most removed from a specific analog in First Avenger. The jazz-scored montage was the through line, but the aerial combat felt so unique and was wonderfully choreographed. And yeah, I mean, I'll admit, Kevin, I am an incredible sucker for the trope of the musicalized montage where you time out certain actions to beats in music. And we got that a little bit in this montage. It almost felt like a sort of like a tracking shot as well, right? As she was yes, barreling her way 100%. through all these planes. But yeah, just to co-sign what I said at the beginning, this was by far my favorite part of an episode that I, I really enjoyed. Not only was it the biggest departure, I think, from what people were expecting in terms of conventionality from this story. It was just a badass display from Peggy Carter. The music was so much fun and, of course, very evocative of that era. So it really was just like the perfect stew for me, combined with Peggy Carter kicking some Nazis' asses as the cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that sequence is awesome. And there was a tracking shot, which is what something I really liked about it as well. Um, but yeah, the action in it was top-notch. I think that, like we said, like that's what really pulled the animation together for me. It would have been interesting if we ended up in a situation actually where each episode had a different animation style to fit like whatever the, mm. the thematically it is, because this could have felt pop comic book pulpy and like the way it was drawn. Then if you get into like other stuff, it has like a different animation look, feel and quality yeah. to it. I think that would have been cool. Yeah, have you heard of Netflix's Love, Sex and Robots? Yes, I've seen that, it and it's awesome. Well, some of them yeah, are, right? Some of them are like whatever, because yeah, that's how that's, that's the style they take on, right? Like every episode is done with a different animation style. Correct. Yeah, so to I think fit, I think, to fit the theme. Yeah, so I think that there's there's a way that they they could do that. Maybe they'll change that for season two. Who knows? We have so much open possibilities ahead of us in more ways than one, and we're going to keep continuing on that train that hopefully won't explode anytime soon next week. Episode two of What If uh, There Was No Next Time On. And again, this is a non-serialized show. So we really have no specific idea what the hell is coming our way. But we do know who the hell is coming our way. Next week, Kevin, we are gaining a third. Let's ask a question here. What if Latanya Starks were to hop onto this podcast next week and join Kevin and I to recap episode two? Well, that answer will be coming next week. We're getting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier gang back together to talk about episode two really excited to hear latonya's thoughts about all of this and whatever episode two has to provide it should be a lot of fun yeah i'm really looking forward to latonya being here and i'm curious obviously what the episode is right like because i think the only things that i know know is that i saw the, the, the the zombies thing and heard about it so i was just like okay so that's happening and then I saw one shot, hence knowing the T'Challa part of it, of one of the episodes. Yeah. And but like beyond that, I got nothing. So I, and that's the way I like it. So yeah. I'm excited to see like what uh what ifs and what changes they do. And again, like as a continuing series, it just has so much potential, and I'm so into that idea 
of um, getting more of these stories as we go further and further on and like other takes, other changes, because you can revisit stuff to a certain extent, revisit movies and do something different. Even though they had the Captain Carter thing, what if it was a different nexus point in the first Avenger that could have changed stuff? You know, like I think there's a lot that could happen that could alter stuff. Like what if Steve did not go down with that plane? Like what if Steve survived and Captain America only lived in the forties? How does that affect things? I think there's a lot of potential and stuff to to play around with. In fact, I actually do think that is a actual what if comic that would not surprise me at some point in time to delve into that. There's a lot, right? I think there's like, yeah, what if Captain had, what if Cap had just lived through World War II? What if Cap was revived in 1994? What if Cap was revived in like the 2000s instead? So there's, there's also the, um, bullet points miniseries, which I think the whole like proto Iron Man armor really pulled from where I believe in that universe. I think Erskine and a bunch of people, including I believe Uncle Ben get killed. Uh, and so instead Howard Stark has to go to plan B, which is like putting, uh, putting Steve Rogers in an Iron Man suit, and then everything just spirals. Where Peter Parker now doesn't have a father figure, and so he like turns into the Hulk, and Bruce Banner becomes Spider Man. So it's just it's- see, this is this is a wild stuff. I know Riley would be excited for, right? Because like that's yeah. the stuff we're almost used to. So like for us, it's just like yeah, give us some of that. Like there was one where it was just like DC. I think it was called Speeding Bullets, where it's just like Superman was adopted by the Waynes, and like what does that end up with? Oh. As you know, yeah. Wow, that would have been wild. But you know what's even wilder? Not saving with Geico. Going to bring in Geico one more time here before we close things out. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know, it's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Kevin Mahadeo, what else do you have? What if you did other podcasts in the post-show recaps universe? What would they be? What if I did? Well, I do. So here it is. Um, The big one that I do as part of the uh, post-show recaps patrons. So if you sign up at patreon.com slash post-show recaps is a podcast called Why, eh? Where uh, me and my Canadian co-host, Melissa Woodward, discuss young adult fiction. Uh, We have just wrapped up the Twilight Saga as our first big foray into into that world of YA fiction. Uh, it was a blast. We had an amazing time, a very funny time. Uh, if Twilight's not your bag, I totally get it. But good news, we have talked about what we're doing next. Uh, because of part of a giant um, uh, 40-hour D&D marathon in which we had a number of incentives and charities that we were doing, uh, one of the incentives was for Melissa and I to do the other Stephanie Meyer book, which is The Host. So we're going to watch Ooh. The Host movie as a one-off podcast as part of YA. Uh, and then after that, we are delving into the world of Pan Am. We are heading into oh. the Hunger Games. Uh, Melissa and I are going to fight to the death. It's going to be crazy. Uh, no, you're, you're going to... last part's not going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, no, you're going to kill everyone else. And they're going to be like, no, I will kill both of us. <laughs> If we don't get this podcast out. Spoilers, but uh, if if you're a Hunger Games fan, I uh, would love for you to tune in. Uh, we're really excited to delve back into that. Um, I'm re-listening to the books, so I'm also going in with the book knowledge. I'd read them a little while back. Uh, and then we're, you know, obviously watching the movies uh, for each episode. So we're really pumped about that. Uh, if you'd like to listen in, head over to patreon.com slash recaps and sign up for that $5 level, and that'll give you access to that podcast, along with many, many, many others. 
uh, that we do as part of that network. And of course, uh, you can check out the stuff that I am doing as well. The absent Josh Wiggler and I just wrapped a big installment of Down the Hatch where we got into a seminal episode of Lost the Variable, uh, which talk about changing decisions or thinking that you can. Maybe the variable is the opposite, essentially, of what if in that regard. But it was a really, really great time covering, in my opinion, an all-time episode of Lost. Still doing the Bloom Files with my wife, Angela Bloom, covering the X-Files. We are well into season six at this point, which I have been really, really digging. And then over on the reality TV side of things, if you're so interested, I am covering Big Brother. I'm covering South African Survivor. There's a lot going on from that perspective as well. If you're wondering, what if my podcast feed is empty? Your cup runneth over with the stuff that Kevin and me and a bunch of people on Post Show Recaps are doing. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Everything is Super. Uh, if you have any feedback, comments, questions, you know what to do. Super at postshowrecaps.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Kev Mahadeo, at a Mike Bloom type, at Postshow Recaps, at Round Howard in Abstentia as well. Let us know your thoughts. Again, if you're at that $10 level, we have threads upon threads in the Discord uh, where we talk all about this, give our thoughts. A lot of the feedback was pulled from this. So you will be among your kind if you become a patron. Don't you worry. But we're going to be back. Next week, the two of us and Latanya Starks to break down episode two of What If, whatever that may be. Uh, until then, remember, Uwatu is always watching, and we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.